Uh, as Nikki already said, uh, we are wrapping up this series. I love uh, my ecclesia. And if you're um, new or haven't been around for a while, I just kind of want to get you caught up because you're kind of coming in at the end of the movie. So I wanted to let you have a little bit of idea of, of where we've been. Uh, we basically looked at the start of the church. Where did the church come from? Uh, how did it get its start? And uh, there's really no better place uh, to look for the answers to that question than the book of Acts. And so we've kind of taken the scenic route through the first half of the book of Acts, and we've seen um, that the, the church did not start as an institution, right? It did not start as this, um, you know, smorgasbord of programs. It didn't start as a building. It didn't start as a, a Sunday morning event. Uh, the church started as a movement, started as a gathering of people that all gathered around this idea that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and they believed that so much that they were willing to give their lives for it, and many of them did. And it, it's this group of people that were filled with the Spirit, committed to each other, and sold out on the idea uh, that Jesus was who he said he was. And that group started about 120 people. Um, within a few months, it was thousands of people right there in Jerusalem, in the very city where these events took place within just a few months of them taking place. And, and as it picked up momentum, persecution broke out because that, that new thing that was happening in Jerusalem, it, it interrupted the balance of power between Rome and, and the Jewish leaders. And, and because of persecution, the church scattered. It went into places that the ecclesia hadn't been before, got into the, the nooks and the crannies of, of, of Jewish culture, of a Gentile culture, Roman, Greek, and there's this unbelievable you know, conversion experience that we saw um, Paul have, where he goes from the number one persecutor of the church to the number one impact in the church, when it comes to, to, to an individual, and he spreads the church into to Greek and Roman places, modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, and the church just goes, it goes bonkers. And, and for the last 2,000 years, this movement, this gathering, this ecclesia has continued to be a part of our world. The question I want to answer today is, so what? So what? It's great, Tim. Thanks for the history lesson. It's been real good, but so what? Why in the world? What, what in the world does that do for us today? What impact does that have on us today? What's the, what's the relevance of any of that in our day and age? Why have we been talking about this for the past six weeks? Another way to, answer, another way to ask that question, if the ecclesia were to suddenly disappear from this planet, would it make any difference? Does, does Jesus' church matter? Right now, today, in your world, in our world. Take, take, take this. Take out all of the theology of heaven. Take out all the theology of afterlife. Take all of that stuff out for just a minute. What good does the church do in this life? That's the question I want to get at. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to the question in case you have to leave early or lose interest. The answer is 100% absolutely yes, the church matters in this life. But the tension is, the problem is, as Americans, it's very difficult for us to appreciate this. 
It's very difficult for us to understand the value and the impact that the church has had because our thinking, our understanding, the, the, the culture that you have been raised in um, just, just, just has this idea of right and wrong, morality, uh, human rights, just pick a subject. It's all been impacted by the church, even if you don't believe everything that the church teaches. Everything in Christianity, even if you don't necessarily believe it, it's impossible for us to fully appreciate it because we're so accustomed to, to, to this thing, to, to the value and the impact of Jesus' church. And if we were ever able to take a step back, if we were ever able to kind of get this, this 30,000-foot view, we would see the value and we would see the impact that the, that the church has had in our culture, in our world, not just when it comes to issues of heaven, not just when it, has, it comes to issues of eternity, real life, everyday issues. And not only does the church matter, if we can take a step back and look at this from a different perspective, we would see that the church matters more in our cultural moment than it has in a long time. And that's what I want to try and help us with today. I want to try and help us see this from a different perspective as we wrap this up, the value and the importance of the ecclesia. Now, uh, perhaps the best way um, for us to do that is to look at it from somebody else's perspective. Uh, you may have heard of the name David Aikman. Uh, David Aikman was the bureau chief for Time Magazine um, in Beijing back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And um, as the Beijing chief, he wrote numerous books, lectured at Harvard, just a real high-end guy. Um, but as the, the, the chief in Beijing, um, he had access to, to multiple high-level governmental leaders in the Chinese government, and he did all kinds of interviews. One of those I want to show you just a clip of, um, or I want to read you a statement from one of those um, interviews that he did that, that talks about the impact of Christianity on America. It's a little bit long. Uh, we're going to work through this, but, but he's interviewing a Chinese social scientist indoctrinated in Maoism. And this Chinese social scientist is a group of, of Chinese social scientists who, who were given the task to study American culture and figure out what's the secret sauce. How, how, have, they, how have they gone just crazy in America because we want to try and reproduce it? And this took place decades ago. Um, I, think, I think the interview actually took place in the 80s or early 90s. Um, so we've actually seen China grow into a world power since then. But, but here's, here's what this social scientist said to David Aikman. He said, one of the things we were asked to look into was what accounted for the success. In fact, the preeminence of the West all over the world. We studied everything we could from the historical, political, economic, and cultural perspective. They wanted to know, why is America so prosperous? What's the secret sauce to their success? And he gives them, he gives David Aikman a little bit of an idea of what they thought the secret sauce was. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. They thought it was our military. Then we thought it was because you had the best political system. Next, we focused on your economic system. But in the past 20 years, listen to this, we have realized that the heart of your culture is your religion, Christianity. That is why the West has been so powerful. Now, we don't think that way. 
We don't, especially if you're a non-Christian. Like, if you don't believe what we believe, you're like, don't rope me in with all the crazy people. I don't want to have anything to do with that, right? But even if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't think that way. You think it's the economy. You think it's our buying power or our military or we're from sea to shine in sea and the American spirit. We have all of these reasons. But here's a Chinese social scientist going, the secret sauce in America is Christianity. And to which, to which, if we're honest, we go, yeah, but we're not even really that good at Christianity. <laughs> Like, like, we don't get along with each other. They're, we're always splitting off from each other and starting our own thing. Like, like, we're not even that good. But an objective person doesn't believe anything that we believe, wasn't born and raised in the same culture that you were born and raised in, stands back and says, you may not realize it, but we've discovered it's not your bombs. It's not your economy. It's not your American spirit. It is your Christian heritage. He goes on. The Christian moral foundation of the social and cultural life was what made possible the emergence of capitalism and then the successful transition to democratic politics. We don't have any doubt about this. He's saying saying it wasn't capitalism. It was capitalism with a conscience. It was capitalism that was informed by the teachings of the New Testament These these social scientists stood back and said, wisely, capitalism alone won't make it. Capitalism alone won't get us there. Bigger bombs won't get us there. The secret sauce is the fundamental belief of right and wrong that finds its genesis in the New Testament. And then he goes on to talk about Chinese culture. He says, studies by Chinese sociologists reveal, and this is the Chinese looking at their own country, that in rural areas... We're traveling evangelists. We would call them missionaries. Introduced Christian faith. Here's what happens when that takes place in their culture. Opium addiction goes down, crime drops, and Christian families grow wealthier than their neighbors. Does the church matter? Do you know what they discovered that many Americans have lost sight of? The church matters more than we know. The teaching of Jesus makes an actual cultural difference in the things that we love, the freedoms we enjoy, and the opportunities we have. As Americans, we want to we chalk it up to a list all kinds of things. But those on the outside looking in say the secret sauce is the value system that comes from your Christian heritage. That's the secret sauce. But again, we can't see it, and it's not necessarily our fault because we're, we're kind of too close to the, to the trees to see the forest. It just, it just kind of, it, it, we think it comes natural. We think our view of right and wrong is just natural. I mean, doesn't everybody think people should be treated that way? Doesn't, doesn't everybody understand this is the way you should, you should be doing things? And the answer is no. The answer is no because not everybody sees the world. Not everybody sees morality. Not everybody sees family. Not everybody sees human rights the same way you and I see it. We have been so extraordinarily impacted by the church, by Christianity, by the New Testament, that it just kind of fades into the background. But people on the outside looking in say, that's actually the reason that you've been so blessed. Does the church matter? You better believe it matters. 
Because see, we are not only the stewards of the message of eternal life, we are the stewards of the message of a better life, a better kind of life, a better quality of life. Just for a second, look at nature, okay? Look at nature. Nature in and of itself is violent. It's, it's violent. Nature is what comes, with, what comes natural is not good. Nature is an earthquake that destroys a city. Nature is a forest fire that rips through California. Nature is an F5 tornado ripping through more Oklahoma every 10 years. Nature is a virus that jumps from a bat to a human. Nature in and of itself, there, yes, there are times when nature is beautiful and, and, and it's ethereal and it's wonderful, but you get up close and personal with nature, it's violent. Um, another example, I uh, had the opportunity to go to Africa a couple times a few years back. Never got the chance to go on safari because there isn't really one of those in Sierra Leone. You have to go to other parts of Africa. But every time we drove through the, the countryside in Sierra Leone, Africa, I always found myself looking into the bush, looking out into the wild, because I wanted to see lions. I knew there weren't any lions in that part of Africa, but I wanted to see some, right? And guys, men, do you, you guys know, you want to, ladies, do you want to know why I wanted to see a lion? Because I wanted to see a lion killing something. Am I right, guys? Yes, I am. You want to know why guys want to see lions killing something? Because lions are violent and so are men. We are violent, right? I was on a mission trip and I wanted to see something eating something. It's just, what's wrong with me? It's, not, it's violent. It's, it's, it's natural, right? And, and if, even if you've never been to Africa, even if you've never been on safari, have you ever watched Discovery Channel or watch Animal Planet and you've seen a pride of lions make a kill? You know what else you see? You see all the other smaller animals line up behind the lions. It's amazing. They'll just sit there and the lions have their fill. And then the hyenas have their fill. And once the hyenas are done, it's the jackals' turn. And after the jackals have their foxes, and then the foxes after the foxes, it's the, the vultures and just on down the line. It's because that's what happens in nature. It's crazy, but they all know their place. They know the biggest and baddest go first. Might makes right. Never once will you see the lions go, hey guys, let's let the jackals go first this time. They'll never say, hey, Wednesday's hyenas. Hyena Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Hyenas get to go first today. You'll never see, you'll never see the lions get together and come up with a press release to the Cape Buffalo's family apologizing for killing their brother or mother or sister. It never happens. That doesn't happen in nature. Nature is first come, first serve. Biggest and baddest first. Might makes right. And we don't like hearing it. But human nature is not that much different. Human nature is just like nature. We think it's different because we're Americans. And we've been so extraordinarily Christianized that we can't even appreciate it. But human nature looks a lot like what you've been seeing play out on your news feed the last six months. Right? Starts out with a little hoarding of toilet paper and other supplies. Me, 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 me. It moves to, to, to hatred and anger. Throw in some racism. Add a dash of us versus them. 
a pinch of an eye for an eye, and there's the recipe for humanity without Jesus. It's, it's not just our current cultural moment. It's human nature for most of human existence. It's not that much different from nature itself. Now, this just isn't just my idea, okay? I didn't come up with this. The Apostle Paul, the guy who spread Christianity throughout the world, he talked about this very, very specifically. He gives a contrast of what that looks like versus what something else looks like. So I want to read you um, some verses from Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible or a mobile device you want to follow along, feel free to open it up. Um, the, you've heard these verses before. You've read them before. Um, these verses, even if you don't necessarily make, consider yourself a Bible reader, these verses might make you want to read your Bible. Because in these verses, Paul is going to contrast what nature looks like, what um, people left to their own devices looks like, compared to a group of people that are led by something else. And he's basically going to make the case, what if there were a group of people? What if there was a, a gathering, an assembly, that allowed the Spirit of God to lead the way they lived? What might that look like? What if there was a group of people radically committed to allowing God's Spirit to rule over their natural inclinations? And he's going to say, Church, ecclesia, this is how we're supposed to live. This is what it looks like for us to be the church. And if you read your history, you discover those first century ecclesias who gathered around the teaching we're about to read as they allowed their behavior to be shaped and changed by the Spirit. It changed them. It changed their families. It changed their communities. And eventually... It changed the world. This is a big deal. Here's, here's what he says. Starting in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires or the appetites of the flesh. So, so in other words, here, here are two completely different ways of living. You can walk or live by the Spirit, or you can walk or live by the appetites of your flesh. Your, your sinful nature. Our flesh is that thing inside all of us that produces hoarding and anger and racism and hatred and us versus them and eye for an eye. He's going to get to those here in a second. All of those things we hate in other people, but it's in us too. We're bent towards that as well. He goes on. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This is interesting. He's about to give us a list, but obvious means when Paul shows us the list, none of us are going to go, What? People actually do that kind of thing? No. Obvious means when you see the list, you go, I know some people like that. Obvious means, oh, yeah, I know somebody like that. I see her in the mirror every day. Obvious means nobody really needs this list, but he's going to give it to us anyway. Here we go. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery. Debauchery is a word that we don't use anymore, but it basically means whatever, whenever, with whoever. So debauchery is. Now, I want to just pause for a minute here, not too long because we're in church. I want to say something to the guys, okay? Ladies, talk amongst yourself for a second. I'm just talking to the guys, okay? Men, men, can you imagine, and don't go too far with this, but can you imagine living in a world where you allowed your sexual nature to control your life? If you are rich enough, powerful enough, 
controlled the laws enough to where you wouldn't get in trouble for doing whatever, whenever, with whoever, that there were no consequences? Can you imagine a culture like that? Did you know in the first century there was a culture like that? It was called Rome. It was called Rome. And did you know in the centuries that have followed, there have been cultures all over this world that that lived like that? And do you know, it destroyed them from the inside out. They weren't destroyed from some occupying force from the outside. They were destroyed from the inside out. But they were the kings, and the kings make the law. And the emperor makes the law. And, and what they say is right because might makes right. And they allowed nature. They allowed their flesh, the natural inclinations to sweep them along. Can you imagine? What a community, what a world, what, what, what that would look like if somebody didn't put the brakes on that part of human nature. Getting closer and closer to that being reality in our culture. He goes on. Idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry is, is giving more value to something than someone. It's, it's, it's worshiping created over creator. Witchcraft is, is trying to harness the supernatural for your own selfish ends. Hatred, discord, arguing about things that don't matter, also known as Facebook. <laughs> Just saying. Jealousy. Fits of rage, that happened to some of you in the car on the way to church today. Selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. See any of those lately? Another, another term, another word for factions is partisanship. Us versus them. My perspective versus your perspective. Left wing versus right wing. Masks versus no masks. And you're obviously wrong because you can't see things my way, which is the right way, by the way. Paul says, that is just as much sin as envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And the like is a little Greek phrase that means etc. He could keep going but he chooses to stop right here. See, do you know what we do in our culture with things like that? We establish laws. We establish laws. Do you know why we have to have laws? Because our nature pulls us in that direction. Laws say, left to your own, you will be out of control. You'll lie, you'll cheat, you'll steal, you'll take advantage of people. So we have to have laws. Laws are some of the reason why some people are as good as they are. They're pretty good, but they're only good because of the law. If they thought they could get away with fill in the blank without any consequences, they'd try. That's what the law does. The law says this is as far as you go. And do you know where a lot of the laws came from? <laughs> does the church matter? You better believe the church matters because apart from the message of the church, of the New Testament, our society, our culture, would be one none of us want to be a part of. It would be a kind of culture that we wouldn't want to live in. So Paul says, that's obvious. It's clear. You see it all over the place. And then he says, here's another picture. Here's a different picture. But the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit, by the way, is the person 
that energized the first century ecclesia. The Spirit is the one who's been energizing the church for 2,000 years. That the Spirit is what propelled that 120 people to go out into the streets of Jerusalem and risk their lives to say, to witness to the idea that God has done something unique in our midst. The Spirit is what indwells people when they say, when they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God who died for my sins, who rose from the dead. And when they confess that, when they believe that, the Holy Spirit moves in and begins to inform their lives. It's the Spirit that causes you to think, okay, I don't think I should do that anymore. Yeah, I shouldn't go there. I don't think I should look. I don't think I should click. I don't think I should type. I don't think I should say. It's the Spirit that moves in close and informs our lives in ways contrary to our natural inclinations. If you're always doing what feels natural to you, you're not walking by the Spirit. If you're always doing what feels natural and right to you, don't miss this. You're, you're, you're missing what it looks like to walk by the Spirit because it's the Spirit that moves you to a life that even if there weren't any laws, you'd still do the right thing. That's what Paul is talking. That's who Paul is pointing to. Here's the list in contrast to the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is you first. Love is you first. Love is I'm going to sacrifice for you even though there's nothing coming back my way. I'm going to do for you what does absolutely no good for me. I was going to say something about masks here, but I was worried it might ruin the next thing on the list. Joy. Joy. Peace. Hey, go with nature, have an affair, and do you know what you won't have? Do you know, if you're having an affair right now, do you know what you don't have in your life? peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When Paul wrote this, Rome ruled the world and kindness wasn't even in their dictionary. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is if I said I will, I will. I signed my name. I made a promise. Even if the state of Kansas doesn't force me to do it, I signed my name. So I'm going to do it. Faithfulness is, I said I would stick by you when things were good and when things were bad, so I'm going to stick by you. Faithfulness is, it doesn't matter whether a law makes me do it or not, I'm going to be faithful. Hey, dads, faithful is what you want your son-in-laws to be. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control runs contrary to everything our sinful nature urges us to do. <laughs> Think about this. Imagine, um, imagine that they put me in charge of America for a month. About a month is probably the only thing I can handle, okay? But just for a month, they put me in charge. And I established a self-control month. Like everybody in America, from the president on down to me, has to exercise perfect self-control. Would that be a good month or a bad month in our country? right? You'd be skinnier. We'd all be healthier. Husbands would be unbelievable. Wives would be unbelievable. Your children would be saints. Like it would be the best month ever in our country. Things on the internet that we wish would go away would go away just for a month. Forget the rest of the list. 
Forget the rest of the fruit. If everyone in America just embraced this one value, what difference would it make? What difference would it... Does, does the message of the church matter? Are you kidding me? You better believe it does. Because we're not just stewards of the message of eternal life. We're stewards of the message of a better life, and it runs contrary to our sinful nature. Come on. Come on. It's, it's the ecclesia that says everybody you're ever eyeball to eyeball with has intrinsic value, not assigned value. It's not what they do for you. It's not what they do for the world. That they, they, they have value because they're made in the image of God. They have dignity. They have value. It's the church. It's the church that says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Maybe we should have a month where just husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church. That would be a, a warm-up to self-discipline month. Maybe that would be a good place to imagine. Just imagine. And I know it's hard for us to imagine. But just imagine if in our country, if Christians and non-Christians both decided, even if they don't believe in Jesus, I'm going to treat my spouse the way that Jesus treated his enemies. What difference would that make? What difference would that make? Who, is going to, who else is going to say that? Who else is going to live that out if the ecclesia doesn't? It's the ecclesia that says forgive, 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 forgive. Forgive. Forgive, it's not eye for an eye. It's forgive because you've been forgiven. It's accept because you've been accepted. It's serve because you've been served. It's the church that says, value those in society that has little value. It's the church that says, give and sacrifice when nothing's coming back to you. Show mercy even to those who haven't shown you mercy. It's the church. It's the, it's the message of the New Testament. It's Jesus' own words. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who else is saying that? Who else is going to say that if the church goes away? Does the church matter? Of course it matters. Of course it matters. Come on, it gets deeper than that. It's, it's the ecclesia that says sex isn't for mature people, it's for married people. It's, it, it's the church that says sex is more than physical because you are more than physical. You have a soul. And God gave us sexual intimacy, this sense of oneness, for a very specific purpose. If that message disappears from culture, no, no matter how unpopular it is, no matter how out of date it is, it leaves us in a place where we treat people like commodities, it treats, we, we treat people like just a physical body, but every human being in their very soul knows I am more than a physical body. I have a soul. But if the message of the church goes away, where does that message go? It's, it, it's the ecclesia that's been on the forefront to say to women that abortion is not a solution. And the reason it's not a solution is because you, you aren't just a physical body. You have a soul, and anything that negatively impacts your soul, the church will stand up and say, wait, 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 there's a better way. This is not pro-life versus pro-choice. This is just the, the message of the ecclesia. If the ecclesia disappears, 
that message disappears. And whether we see it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, that is a message that has shaped the culture you find yourself in right now. It's a message that China looked at and said, that's what we're missing if we're going to become what they've become. And their motives may have been purely economic or, or something else, but they figured out the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel has the power to transform individuals, families, communities, and yes, even entire nations. Every single nation can experience this. These Chinese social scientists were exactly right. Secret sauce is Christianity. Secret sauce is the teachings of the New Testament. The values and teaching of Jesus displayed in and through the ecclesia. My friends, does what we do matter? Does what, how you live Monday through Saturday matter? It matters more than you know. And it matters more than you give yourself credit for sometimes. Does what we do as a church matter? It matters more than we know. It matters more than we know. There, I said a couple weeks ago, there are crosses all over the city of Rome. The empire that tried to stomp out Christianity is now seen as the epicenter of Christianity from some people's point of view. How did that happen? It happened through the ecclesia. And it shaped people. It shaped communities. And it shaped an entire country. And it still has that same potential today. And we dare not turn our backs on our culture and just talk to ourselves. We, we dare not separate ourselves into our own echo chambers with people who think the same way and talk the same way we do about current issues. If there was ever a time in our lifetime for the church to ramp up our engagement in our community, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, any sphere of influence Jesus has put us in, and to live out the Jesus life, there has never been a moment in your life when it is more important than now. And if we just retreat and just play it safe and just pray for Jesus to come and rescue us, we might as well shut the doors and close the whole thing down. That is not what the first century church did. They were bold. They were bold. They were scared. But they were bold. And if we do, if we do engage our culture, if we walk by the Spirit, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control has the power to shape your life. Yes, absolutely. But it has the power to change communities. It has the power to change culture. I honestly believe a nation. The Ecclesia did that once. I wonder if we have the vision. I wonder if we have the courage. I wonder if we have the perseverance to see that happen again. We've been given the stewardship of the local church, the ecclesia for our generation. We've been given the stewardship of the message, not only of eternal life, but the message of a better life. What are we going to do with it? What are you, what are you going to do with the message of the gospel? 
Father in heaven, would you, would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard? We're all coming from different places and we're all going to hear different things, but we want to get this right. We don't want to just talk to ourselves. We don't want to be just another church on the corner. We want to be on mission. We want to be on mission with that first group of Christians that huddled together, scared to death, but they decided they were going to be bold anyway. Father, thank you for our country. Thank you for our heritage, for our values, our safety, our freedom. We give you the honor and the credit for that. Because as those Chinese social scientists discovered, it's your truth, it's your way, it's your spirit, it's your church that has made the difference in our country. And would you just help us to be great stewards of your ecclesia as we move forward. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus.